I dare you to see yourself like I remember who you are. Remember you are from a nice family. Remember that you represent not only our family but God, also God. I dare you to see my yourself and just wonder who you is I do. Go show them what you're made of. You get out of life what you put into it. I dare you to see yourself as wonderful as I do. Remember that you represent not only our family, but also God's. I am boss safe. Okay. Practice does not make perfect, only permanent. Remember who you are. You can't catch anything with your bait out of the water. Remember how you were raised. Practice does not make perfect, only permanent. Remember how you were... <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. You know... <laughs> That one about you can't catch anything if you bait's out of the water, I think, is my favorite that uh, we're going to use uh, this week. Um, several months ago, I sent out, I think it was a text message to about 100 different people asking them to send me sayings their parents said to them when they were growing up or maybe that they used with their own kids. And thank you for replying. Uh, I, I had about 80 different sayings sent back to me. And uh, so the goal was to do some teaching, some preaching, uh, that addresses those sayings, and, and I realized when I got all that back, <laughs> that was a, a bigger challenge than I thought it was going to be. How do you turn that into some sermons? So I spent quite a bit of time thinking about it, praying about it, and it was complicated by the fact that in 2019, I made a commitment that every sermon I preach is going to be either from the life of Jesus, something he did or experienced, or something he said or that is written about him in Scripture, which really narrowed down what I could do with these. But the Lord gave me some ideas, and as I looked at it, here's what I discovered. All of these crazy things, these, these wacky things, these serious things that parents say to their kids fall into four large themes, four large categories, hopes and dreams and fears and so on that parents have about kids, grandparents have about their grandkids, and that we say to them, say to each other. And, and really those themes apply to all of us, whatever our walk in life. And then within those themes, there's, there's different sayings that come at it from different angles that help us think about different aspects of what it means in that one area. And so what we're going to do is spend these four weeks looking at these four themes and looking at each theme, each Sunday, if you will, from four different angles based on these parent sayings and a story or a teaching of Jesus in the New Testament. And if you have your Bible, as I said, we'll start in Matthew this morning. But today's theme looking at several sayings, is, is this that what parents are really saying uh, is we want our children to reach their potential. They want, parents want kids to grow up and be successful, reach their potential, not mess up along the way. And a lot of the sayings deal with that. Now, some of the sayings were very, very funny, okay? Um, I, I, it's true, but I still think it's funny, that one about you can't catch anything if you baits out of the water, but it's very true, right? But some of them also were very serious, very, very pointed. Now, this morning, more of the sayings are kind of serious. Some of the funnier ones will be in, in, in future weeks. But I want us to talk, talk about this idea that parents want their kids. Now, they don't always know how to say it well, but parents want their kids to reach their potential. 
And, um, and, and so four ways of looking at that. So there's four different things parents say to kids that, that are important to reaching your potential. And so when parents say these things, they're trying to give you practical instruction. And the first that they're saying, they don't say it like this, but what they really mean is we want you to be confident in who you are. We want you to know who you are as a member of this family, as a member of God's family. We want you to see yourself the way we see you. We want you to see yourself the way God sees you. And so as you go out there and live, we want you to know who you are. And so uh, they say things like, now remember who you are. Usually that's when a teenager is going out on a date or some guys are hanging out with his buddies after a ball game. Now remember who you are. Remember your family. Remember how you were raised. Remember you're representing us, but you're also representing God. How many of you have ever had a parent or a grandparent say something like that to you, some version of it? Raise your hands. All right. How many of you parents have ever said anything like that to your kids? That was the most popular, the most common saying of all. Not even close. Parents saying, remember who you are. And they're really trying to say, to, and, and, and teenagers, what they're really trying to say is, when you're out there living, don't forget, don't forget who you are and allow all the other voices to define you. Why do you think parents are so concerned about this? Hmm? Because growing up, we're developing our sense of identity, who we are, right? And there's all these voices that try to shape people that try to tell us this is who you are. You're concerned as a parent with all those voices in culture, sometimes certain friends, the media, movies, all drilling into your kids, this is who you are. And sometimes the voices they hear are the opposite of contradict what God says about them, what you're trying to teach them. And so parents are very, very concerned about this. We know that that there's all these different influences in the lives of our kids, and we want to make certain that uh, the godly influence, the positive influence, is strong, and they never forget who they are. Now, what about Jesus Christ? In Matthew 4, Jesus has a unique experience, but to really set the table, at the end of chapter 3 in Matthew, so if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it with me, please. Uh, and at the end of chapter 3, Jesus goes to his cousin, John the Baptist. And John baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River. And the, the verse 16 of that chapter says, After Jesus was baptized, he comes up out of the water, and the Holy Spirit of God descends in the form of a dove on Jesus. And then in the last verse of chapter 3, verse 17, God speaks. It's an audible voice. People hear it, and this is what he says. This is my beloved Son in whom... I am well pleased. Now, that's a good thing for any parent to say to any kid. But here's the father saying it to Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Then chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Now, the wilderness is not like, uh, for us, you know, mountains and trees. It's more of a desolate-type area. And so he's out in this desolate wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And in verse 2 of chapter 4, Jesus fasted. 40 days and nights, 40 days without eating and, and 40 days of praying. And at the end of that, he was hungry. And so in verse 3, at the end of those 40 days, the tempter came to him, came to Jesus and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Jesus answered and said to him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
Then in verse 5, the devil took Jesus to the holy city, to Jerusalem, and he stood Jesus on the pinnacle of the temple, on the tall part of the temple, and he said to Jesus, if, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, referring to the Old Testament, he will give his angels charge concerning you, and on their hands, okay, on their hands, they will bear you up, lest your foot, you dash your foot or strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not tempt or test the Lord your God. And then the third temptation in verse 8, again, the devil takes Jesus to a high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and said to him, all these things I will give you. Just like Satan says, if you do this, hey, I'm going to give you that. Uh, if you just bow down and worship me. And then in verse 10, Jesus said, be gone, Satan, for it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, one thing is very, very true about Jesus. He knew who he was. And everything he did grew out of that knowledge. The Father affirmed who he was. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And parents, it is essential that you speak into your kids truth about who they are. That you affirm their identity not only as your child and that you love them and you will always love them and they can never do anything to cause you to not love them. It is also important that you speak into them the truth that God loves them more than anybody, including you. And that as they follow Christ, they will have a better understanding of who they are and what life really is about. It's so important that you speak those things into them. That's more important than, than focusing on their, their, their talents and accomplishments. than comparing them to other people to help them see who they are in Christ, that you speak these positive truths into them versus the negatives and the destructive comments and the sarcastic put-downs, that you speak into them the words of God, the words that build them up spiritually rather than the words that, that encourage them to go the way of, of culture, And that you do it consistently. And parents, it's also important that what you do matches what you say. Because your actions are of equal importance to your words. In fact, your behavior can undermine everything you say. can weaken it. And so you need to demonstrate for them in your life that you know who you are. And that's a lot more than just going to church once a, once a, once a week on Sunday morning. That you, you need to demonstrate for your kids at the, at the ball field, at the family gatherings, where, wherever you are, demonstrate for them that you know who you are, that you are a follower of Christ. Because if you want them to be confident of that in themselves, you want them to remember who they are when they go out, you need to remember who you are when you go out to work, when you go out with your buddies, when you go to a ball game. You need to remember who you are and demonstrate it 
because it is it's just not effective to say to your kids, now remember who you are, remember what family you're from, remember that you belong to God, if you forget that in your life. And so we teach them not just through our words, but through our behavior. And, and, and you know this, but let me just remind you, they're watching, they're seeing, they're not just listening, they're seeing. Now, let's talk about identity in Christ for just a minute. I'm going to spend a little more time here than on the other parts this morning. Um, what are you doing to strengthen your identity in Christ, your sense of who you are? What are you doing in terms of study and feeding yourself? I want to make you aware of a, uh, of a, of a resource that's free. It doesn't cost you anything because the church pays the subscription for it. How many of you are familiar with Right Now Media? Raise your hands. All right. Keep them up and let me look around. A uh, decent number of you. I don't know, maybe 50, 60, 70 of you have used it. Right Now Media is a web-based resource that has thousands and thousands and thousands of resources for you to use in your personal life, with your kids, as a family, and through your giving here, our church pays a subscription to this every year, and it is available at no cost to all of you. And so this week, since I was going to talk about identity in Christ, I decided I'd go to Right Now Media and see what resources were available to help us understand who we are in Jesus. And I just, in the search feature, typed in identity in Christ. And you'll see at the top there, Bible studies, over 1,600 Bible studies on Right Now Media to help you learn about your identity in Christ. You see at the bottom there, 466 video cartoons, Christian videos and cartoons that you can use with your children. Notice on the top line, the third to the right, Identity Defined. That's a Bible study that has six lessons to it that you can watch on your own. They're about 40 to 45 minutes each. You can watch on your own just to, to learn. And some of you are saying to yourself, have you ever said this, you know, I, I know I need to read the Bible more, but I just don't understand it. You don't get enough just by coming to church once a week. You have all these resources available to you in your home, on your tablet, on your laptop, on your smartphone, on your PC, and you don't have to pay for any of it. Let's go to the next slide. When I did that search, not only those Bible studies and kids' videos, but you see there as well, 1,200 um, uh, training videos. And then below that, there's uh, 17, almost 1,800 videos of people speaking at conferences and leadership workshops on this very issue. Just to give you an idea, in fact, yesterday I watched part of videos I was looking at habits and self-identity and, and confidence. And the truth is, a majority of teenage girls and a majority of women in America today have a negative self-image when it comes to their body. And I think if you, you get that if you just look at what our culture you know, pushes all the time, whether it's on media or whatever, what we think is, is appropriate and beautiful and all that. And so the majority of women and teenage girls struggle with the sense of, hey, I'm, I'm, I look good, I'm, I'm valuable. And I watched videos where they talked about that and how grandparents and parents can talk to their, their teenage daughter about that. And watch one video on, on how do you talk to your daughters about cutting, which is a growing problem. Um, 
in our culture. Now, I'm spending what might seem to some of you like an inordinate amount of time in this sermon. It's almost like it's a commercial, right? Pushing right now media. Why? Because I can't do enough teaching on Sunday. We can't do enough teaching in Sunday school on Sunday to give you what you need in your own walk with God, what you need as you work with your family and with your children. That's why we make this available. And so after the service, after the service this morning, I'm asking you to go to our home first room and pick up one of these cards. And here's all the information you need. You can just scan it in and set up your own personal account or you can log in if you want to do it that way and set up your own personal account and you have access. You can search and access to all these thousands and thousands and thousands of resources to help you and use them in your family, and I encourage you to do that. By the way, on the other side of this card is a, is a code so you can scan or log in also for our, our Screen Sparks ministry we'll talk about in a future, future week. And by the way, that's part of parenting. It just happens. They do that, don't they? Sometimes adults do that too. All right, that's enough of the commercial. So how many of you know where the Home First room is? Raise your hand. All right, the Home First is part of our ministry to strengthen families, one of our three priorities. When you go to the lobby, go to the right. It's not 202, the, the member services room. It's Home First. This is a room where we have resources to help you in your relation, all your relationships. Go, go out to the lobby, turn right at the end of the hall. You'll see it. People in there to help you after the service. Get you that card and start using Right Now Media. Some of our Sunday school teachers use that regularly. Small group leaders, etc. All right, let's get back to the sermon, all right? Kids, teenagers, children. I want you to notice something about Jesus in this story, about identity and knowing who we are, remembering who we are. As I said, the Father affirmed Jesus and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, Jesus was tempted three times by the devil. On two of those occasions, Jesus responded a certain way. Do you know how he responded? With Scripture. Now, how did Satan tempt Jesus? Two of those, two of those temptations, Satan said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, do this. Prove it. Show me. Now, here's the thing. A lot of times we go through life as adults, as teenagers, trying to fit in and we want to we want to show we want to prove that yeah i'm cool i'm this i i can belong and so satan says if you do this hey you can be part of my group and that's how he still comes to us he says if you do this then i'll do this for you if you do this hey i'll give you that and a lot of times whether we're older or younger we struggle with that and we listen to him and we listen to those voices because we don't know who we are. And, and we think we have to be part of this group. We have to fit in over here. We have to be like that. That's why it's so important that, that you know without any doubt who you are as someone who is loved Loved by the Lord, know who you are as a follower of Christ so you can be strong and resist all that pressure. I mean, we have these internal voices, this self-talk. 2016, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series, beat the Cleveland Indians. It was the first time they'd won the World Series since 1908. 
108 years without a championship. That is the longest drought between championships for any sports team in America in a major sports. And they, we used to, well, what, what was it? we always called the Cubs? The lovable losers. Okay, any Cubs fans in the room? Yeah? Brave soul. The lovable losers on the north side of Chicago. Now, uh, the curse of the billy goat. Great story. Don't have time to go into it. But the Cubs, over all those decades of losing, lost some heartbreaking games in some strange ways. I mean, he just looked at can't believe that happened. And so it was the curse of the billy goat. They'd always find a way to lose, even when they were good. They'd find a way to lose. So here it is, the 2016 World Series. It's game seven. The series is tied 3-3. This is the last game, winner take all, sixth inning. Cubs are ahead 6-3. to three. Looks like they're going to win the World Series and break the curse. And all of a sudden, the Indians, their bats come alive, and there's a rally, and they tie the game 6-6. And here's all the Cub fans. Here we go again. Had it won. We're going to blow it again. We're going to lose again. Did you think that, by the way, when it was happening? Yeah, you did, didn't you? You, couldn't, you trained that way. All the momentum is with the Cleveland Indians. And all of a sudden, it's like God smiled on the Cubs and it started raining. And there was a rain delay. Teams are in their dugouts and the Cubs are sitting over there looking dejected, defeated, miserable. Their heads are hanging down. (laughs) We don't have a chance. It's the curse of the billy goat. We're going to lose again. One of their players, their right outfielder, I forget his name right now, he, he decided he wasn't going to have it and got in their face over in the dugout. And he got up, and one of the things he said, he, this is a quote, one of the things he said to his team in the dugout during that rain delay was, remember who you are. And he reminded them that during the regular season, they were the best team in baseball that year. They won more games than any team in baseball that year, and they'd already won two series to get to the World Series. And he said, this is our game to win. And they did win it in the 10th inning, 8-7. See, it doesn't matter whether it's in sports, in your relationships, in your walk with Jesus Christ, there's all these voices in your head saying this and that and the other, and you've got to make up your mind. This is who I am. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm cool, I'm happy, I'm good with being a follower of Jesus. And I own that. Because you're never going to reach your potential if you don't come to terms with who you are. Now, there's some more things parents say that help strengthen that and feed that. And not only do they want you to know who, who you are, that's why they say remember who you are, they want you to feed your soul. Because feeding yourself on the inside is part of staying strong in your identity as a follower of Christ. So you'll hear parents um, say something like, I dare you to see yourself as wonderfully as I do. Happiness is a choice. What parents are saying is, hey, kids, the way you think on the inside, the way you see yourself on the inside, the way you feel about life and about yourself on the inside, that's the key. So you've got to feed that. You've got to strengthen that. 
all the time because the inside shapes the outside. You remember in Jesus' day, people were hung up. A lot of the Jewish religious people were hung up on these food laws. Eat this, don't eat that. Touch this, don't touch that. And But what you ate and didn't eat, touched and didn't touch, you were either a holy person, a godly person or not. And Jesus said, no, no, it doesn't work that way. And, and, and Matthew 15, Jesus said, listen, it's not what goes in you. It's not what you eat that defiles you, but it's, but it's what comes out. And, it's, and, and everything that comes out of you, your behavior and your decisions, they, they come out of your heart. So you have to constantly be feeding your soul, feeding your heart, feeding your mind. And the way Jesus did that was by quoting Scripture. He was in Scripture. Because remember, Satan comes to him and tempts him three times, and each time Jesus quotes Scripture. Okay? you got to feed your soul. How are you feeding your soul? I read an article yesterday about Nicole Kidman, the actress who's now married to Keith Urban, the country music star. She grew up in a Catholic family, faithful. She got away from it. Success, money, fame, popularity. You know what she's doing now? She's returned to her faith. And so she and Keith Urban go to, go to church almost every Sunday. Because she realized through all those years and all that experience, so-called success, it didn't work. It didn't work. So now she's at a season of life where she's realized that what was happening to her when she was young, that feeding of her soul, that feeding of her spirit, that feeding of her spiritual life is really what you need throughout all of life. And so she's come back to that. And so parents want kids to know who they are and to feed. But, but parents, that's what, one of the reasons I'm pushing right now media this morning is you've got to constantly be feeding your soul so that you've got something to feed your kids. You can't feed them if you have no food. Remember when you fly on an airplane and they go over all those instructions for emergencies that we all ignore? And if cabin loses pressure and if this oxygen mask falls down and you're traveling with kids or someone who's sick, what do you do first? You put it on yourself. So then you can help. Parents, you can't help your kids if you're not taking care of yourself spiritually. If you don't know who you are and feeding yourself, you can't feed them. So everything, parents, everything you say to your kids, go in the mirror and say, look in the mirror and say it back to yourself. And then you'll be effective. All right, let me move on because I'm about out of time. Uh, here's the third thing that parents often say that, that have to do with reaching your potential. They, they, they want their kids to develop good habits. I love that saying in the video, one kid, you know, one parent saying, practice does not make perfect, it makes what? Permanent. Practice does not make perfect, it makes permanent. They tell us it takes 30 days of consistent behavior to create a new habit. I actually think it takes longer than that. Because habits are deeply ingrained. We all are creatures of habit. We have good habits, bad habits, neutral habits. We have habits. And much of what we do throughout the day. How many have ever been driving somewhere and after a little while you realized you were going the wrong direction because you went the direction you normally drive? Right? Yeah. We all do. Habit. We get on autopilot. See, and habits are not negative. Habits are good if you've got the right habits. Because godly habits, good habits, protect you. They keep you doing what's good and what's right. 
You, you don't have to decide every Sunday are we going to church. It should just be a habit. You shouldn't have to decide every day am I doing a quiet time. It should just be a habit. You shouldn't have to decide, am I going to pray for my kids today? It should just be a habit. Godly habits, good habits, so that your life is shaped on autopilot almost by things that are good and right and helpful. And if you don't have those habits, then you need to develop them. Andrew Luck, quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, he was asked a while back, when you drop back to pass, okay, when you drop back to pass in the pocket, what do you think about? How do you think he responded? What was his answer? He said, nothing. He said, when you drop back to pass, you don't want to think about anything. You need to have practice and drilled so much that it's just instinctive. Your body knows what to do and you know how to read the field because you have three seconds or less to do it. You don't have time to think. And it better be just reaction. Habits. Good habits, godly habits. If you have to think about shooting the free throw, you're going to miss. A few years ago, uh, Duncan and Jan Futrell, I don't know if they're in this service or not. I don't, they went to, are you? Oh, there you are. Oh, there's Jan anyway. Tell Duncan and said, hey. Uh, we went to a concert. Monisa and I went with them to uh, see uh, Marty, Marty Stewart and the Superlatives. Now, that's one of the most talented bands on the planet. And uh, somebody was telling me the name of the electric guitar player earlier. Where, where you at? You in here? Huh? Keith? What's his name? I can't hear. I'm old. Anyway, the, the dude on the left, listen, her husband is a good guitar player. Plays here at church. Plays Christmas Eve. He's good. He can't hold a candle to that dude on the left. Because that guy is amazing on the electric guitar, acoustic guitar. And so Duncan and I were talking at the concert about how good he was, and Duncan was talking about how it's, it's muscle memory because they're up there just looking around, grinning, having a fun time, and he's, he's playing. Oh, he's not even thinking. He's just playing. Because if you have to think about it, you don't have the habit. And you need to develop... If you're going to reach your potential in life, you need to know those things that are critical and develop good habits, godly habits. Jesus did that. Jesus did that. Let me, let me, let me show you three habits Jesus had. One was prayer. I mean, the story in Matthew 4, he's tempted by the devil three times. What had Jesus just finished doing? Hmm? Fasting, which prayer goes with that. How long? 40 days. Over and over in the Gospels, we read that Jesus would withdraw from the crowds, get alone with God, and he would pray. Luke 5, 16, Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. He had the habit of prayer. A second habit Jesus had was Bible reading and memorization. How did he respond to the three temptations? Quoted Scripture. Listen. Jesus could not have quoted that scripture back to Satan when he was tempted unless he had already memorized it. Therein is a lesson. Engaging with the Word of God, reading the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God. And some of you say you can't, but I say you can. 
I'm leading two D groups. Brother Steve Polk is leading one. We're going to roll out more groups this fall. And uh, I meet with one group. On, it's just a group of men. Four men meet with me. One group meets on Wednesday night. Another group meets Tuesday mornings at Dunkin' Donuts at 6.30 over coffee and donuts. What a great combination. Dunk, coffee, donuts, and the Word of God. Um, my other group and Steve's group meet out the food court at the mall. You see a theme here? Uh, but anyway... We're reading Scripture and we're memorizing, and both groups are memorizing the, the Sermon on the Mount. And we have people all the way from age 70 down to guys in their 30s. And they're doing it. You can do it. That leads me to the last point. Well, no, I forgot one more habit of Jesus. Let me, let me, let me throw that in real quick. Worship, gathering with the people of God. That was a habit of Jesus in uh, Luke 4.16 when Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, where he grew up, the Bible says, as was his custom, his habit, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. Jesus had the habit of on the, sa- on the Sabbath of going to synagogue, going to worship. And like I said a moment ago, if you have to think about, are we going to church today? You have not developed that godly habit yet. There are things that just need to be routine, be a habit, be autopilot in your life. No decision needs to be made. You just do it. The last point then, if you're going to reach your potential, you got all this stuff, okay, know who you are, feed yourself on the inside, feed your soul, develop these godly habits, then just go out and do it. You just got to go for it. When Jesus was tempted the third time, he looked at the devil and he said, Be gone, Satan, because it's written in Scripture, we are to worship and serve the Lord God and him only. Get out of my way. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. Get out of my way. And you've got to come to the place where you say, I'm not listening to all those other voices. This is who I am. This is what I want. I like that. I'm happy with that. And go for it. Just go. Do it. Stop saying, well, when such and such happens or if somebody does this, Stop making excuses. Stop blaming people because ultimately the only person responsible for you reaching your potential is you. Others influence, but you choose. And parents, do it in your own life, but helping your kids, encourage them to go for it. Focus and do it. Now, close with this. Y'all know that I like college sports, especially basketball and football. Godly man back there. Now, I'm just not into soccer. I know a lot of you are. Cool. I'm glad you're happy. I just get bored when scores are 3-2. to two. But over in Europe, in England, soccer's a big deal, Right? We were, we were in Africa. We were, we were in uh, Zambia out in the bush. I mean, out in the bush, huts and everything, and driving on these bouncy, dirty roads, and all of a sudden over here is a field where they just cut all the corn. It's just a field of grass they turned into a soccer field with makeshift. I mean, I know people love it other places. I get that. There's a, there's a fan of a team, a soccer team in Turkey, okay, avid fan, 
And you know those soccer fans over in Europe sometimes, they go crazy. You know, they riot, they get drunk, they beat people up. They're just, they're just, they just go nuts sometimes. And he got in an altercation with some fans and he was banned from the stadium of his home team, his favorite team, for one year. Okay? Well, after he was banned, they were playing this big game. It was an important match against their arch rival. And he, he was banned, but he wanted to see. You know what he did? He rented the crane, <laughs> parked it outside the stadium, got in it, raised all the way up so he could see over, hung a flag on it, and cheered for his team from that crane until the police came and got him. <laughs> he went for it. Get creative and go for it. Become bold and go for it. Stop worrying about what somebody thinks. So what? Go for it. It's who you are. You're a follower of Christ. Go for it. Go for it. And if you have to be extreme to go for it, be extreme. That's okay. Go for it. Reach your potential. Stop settling for mediocrity. Go for it. Let's stand. Team's going to lead us in singing, and I I want you to, to just settle in your heart today. This is who I am. And parents, settle that for yourself so you can help your kids know how to do it. And teenagers and children, be okay with being a follower of Jesus. Own that. Be proud of that. And as the team leads us, I'm inviting you to come and pray here at the altar and, and talk to the Lord or come to Brother Steve or Brother Jamie and say you want to be a part of this church and join this church or become a follower of Jesus. Let's sing. You come right now.